what's up world this is your boy Derek back with the African effect and here with me as always is Natalie um so this is part two of uh, my mental piece and we had a conversation with a previous guest TT uh, one of my best friends and there were some things that she said in that previous conversation um, when she was dealing with uh, mental stress, um, depression, and some of the things that she dealt with growing up. And one of the things that stuck out to me was her talking about she wasn't allowed to basically address uh, those things within the household. Mm-hmm. It was basically looked down upon like, you can't talk about this and you can't take it outside of this household. Right. Um, which kind of stuck to me, resonated with me quite a bit because there's been times like previously in my past uh, dealing with um, depression, especially for me when I was having issues with my mom. Um, I had a whole lot of um, pent up aggression, frustration, resentment uh, towards her, and it and it started. And I and I recall it started when I was like. I don't know, maybe like six or seven. Mm. And this was probably during a time where um, I felt like she abandoned me, but Mm. I I didn't understand what was happening. So as I got older, um, it dawned on me that she was just basically just taking a trip. And the trip that she was taking, she was basically going back to Ghana. Um, I I didn't realize that as a six-year-old, seven-year-old, like, you know, you're not you're like where's my mom going Mm -hmm. so and this was during the time where they used to allow people to like get past security and like actually go into the airport yeah so when she left i felt like my mom abandoned me Mm. that started the cycle for me as far as um not trusting women feeling like they would leave me. Mm-hmm. Um, so when when I hear some of the things TT talked about, all I could think about is, dang, why couldn't I talk about these things when I was younger? Mm-hmm. When I brought it up, why did you tell me depression isn't real? Why mm-hmm. did you tell me this isn't something we need to talk about? You're too young to talk about these things. Right. Why am I too young to talk about these things? And why is it that you're continuously wanting to avoid these conversations? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think we don't give enough credit to kids and how much they are self-aware of certain things that go on mm-hmm. within the household. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I don't know. I, I Yeah, I mean, I, I have a similar experience and I kind of felt that too. That was um, one of the things that really stuck out to me and if you guys haven't listened to that episode, um, go back and listen to it. It's called My Mental Peace. Um, and one of the things that TT said is the same thing that I agree with you on, Derek, is not being able to kind of discuss those things um, in the home. And then the fear of, um, you know, because growing up in an African home, anything that you say that doesn't align with what your parents think or feel is disrespectful. Right. So it's like that fear of saying anything 
and getting in trouble, right? So saying, I don't agree with this or saying this hurt my feelings or saying I feel a certain way. It's like, what are you talking about? You know, you're going to get, you're going to get in trouble. Um, and I had similar experiences. There were times that, um, I wasn't as self-aware, I think, as you were. There were just times that I just felt really bad, you know, and, um, as I got older, I realized that it was almost directly related to my parents' marriage and then divorce. Um, and I didn't know why. And then, you know, I had three siblings, so two brothers and a sister. And with the exception of my sister, um, I saw my siblings essentially kind of living life as if it's normal. So I'm like, okay, something has to be wrong with me because they don't seem to be sad. <laughs> they don't seem to be upset. Like, it's just me. Okay, let me keep quiet. Um, but, you know, as we got older, my siblings and I developed a really close relationship and we were able to kind of discuss how some of those things affected us in the home. And in some cases, I felt really bad because I was like, man, if I would have spoke up then, maybe my brother would have spoke up. Maybe my sister would have spoke up um, and we could have helped each other kind of get through it. So what made you think that they didn't feel the same way you felt? Because like I said, they were kind of going about life as everything was normal. We were all, you know, in high school, we were playing sports and, and student council and all that stuff. Um, and they were just kind of living life like teenagers and going to school. Um, but you know, we, when we got older, we all kind of, when we, when we all had the courage to kind of talk to each other about it, we were just like, man, we couldn't wait to get the hell out of that house. So it was like literally the day after graduation, all of us left. Everybody left. <laughs> Everybody yeah. left. Like my brother, the day after he graduated, he left. The day after I graduated, I don't even think I slept. I couldn't wait. I couldn't wait. I was like, let me get the <laughs> hell out of here. And that was the way that we dealt with it. So, um, you know, we never talked to our parents about it until we got older. Um, but yeah, it was hard. It was tough. And we, I wasn't even able to identify that I was depressed, that I developed like a high level of anxiety. I was angry, you know, all the time. And I, I wasn't able to understand why. And it was um, the most frustrating thing because I wasn't talking about it with anyone. So mm -hmm. I was just in my head alone. So like, what was you like your, so first of all, let's, let's, let's address this. Like, when you say it was because of your parents' relationship, like mm -hmm. their marriage, what were some of the key things that, you know, without like disrespecting, like obviously right, dishonoring your parents or whatever, but what were some of the things that kind of like just stuck out to you real tough and made you think some of the things that you were thinking or feeling yeah. like, dude, I can't wait to get out of this house? I mean, the first thing is just the fighting and, and you know like you said, without being too disrespectful, one of the things that I will applaud my parents about is that we were a very transparent family as it relates to our issues in the public. And I think it was just because both of my parents were hotheads. So whenever they would fight, they didn't care where the hell they were. Uh, so just the fighting, the arguing. Dude, I, we had the opposite. Let me, let me hear about that. Like we, so we had the opposite. So like, so it was it was like the united front was, and out was, on the outside. Exactly. So we were a united front like publicly, but like in the house, like it's like ah, 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 like <laughs> it's just back and forth. So No, for us we couldn't escape it. In the house, in public, we couldn't escape it. It was it just it is what it what it was. And um 
So it was, you know, to answer your question, I think it was just the fighting. And again, like what you said originally, kids are very, very, very perceptive. And so mm-hmm. when two people don't like each other, the energy, the energy, the energy, yeah, and the energy, it's always tense. And so it's always like, you know, what's going to happen when we come back from school? What's going to happen, you know, um, you know, with this, with that. So it was just that's where that anxiety came from, because it was always expecting right. the worst. So wanting to leave the house was essentially now that I'm older was to have a sense of peace, like to be able to just relax and kind of just say, OK, if you guys want to kill yourselves, go ahead. I'm not going to be there. Like, do do whatever you want to do. It's no longer my problem. Mm. Um but yeah, that was kind of what it was. But because <laughs> y'all can't see Derek's face, but whenever I said that, his eyes got so big. So why did you? What were some of the things that were going on in your household that made you say you? Can't so wait I to remember get the one time because you're the oldest, right? Is, yeah. Okay. So there was a time where they were like kind of just going at it, and and I, I guess I was supposed to be like the mediator or whatever, right? But. Things just went way the fuck south, like out of nowhere. I thought we was like making progress. <laughs> Next thing I know, I see a hand flying. Like, <laughs> like, have you ever been smacked and it wasn't meant for you? <laughs> I can't say I can relate to that. <laughs> God damn, man. But there was a post that I posted today. And it was something to the effect of we don't realize. Um, how young our parents were or we don't realize that when we're kids we're watching our parents we're watching grow our up. parents grow up mm-hmm. and and so so think about it like like even compared to like your marriage how young you were um you know the things that you dealt with the things that your son was like seeing and all of mm-hmm. those things and then imagine like your parents like um my mom was almost 10 years younger than me when she got married. And I think a lot of Africans can say that their parents got married very young. My very mom was young. 17. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's it's, when I think about how I was behaving when I was 17, I couldn't even fathom having children, let alone being married. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a tough thing to transition to. And so, you know, we don't. And that's why I always say, as you get older, you you can be angry at your parents, but when you have your own family, you have your own kids, even if you don't, you learn to empathize and forgive them because they my my parents and I'm sure you can say for your parents did not wake up and say, I'm going to have kids and traumatize them. Right. Like they didn't. Right. And my mom right. loves us. And right. my dad, when he was alive, adored us. So, you know, you I, I'm. Some of those things that happened, I realized that I had to work through myself, but it was a long road, long, hard road. And I'm still kind of unpacking some of those things. Yeah, I I remember. Um, and this is going to be kind of tough to talk about, but uh, this is my truth. So <clears throat> there was a couple of times I want to say back in like 2000. 9 2010 ish maybe 2011 more like 2011 2012 um my mom and i were not seeing eye to eye Mm -hmm. like it was like it was a period of time where we probably didn't talk for like a good two three years wow and for me it was the communication it was the way like i was talked to Mm. like like belittle, like belittling you, mm. you know what I'm saying? And it just, for me as a son, that's 
there's certain things you don't want to hear from your parents. Right. You don't because we look to we look up to our parents. Right. We we want approval from our parents. Mm-hmm. We want praises from our parents. We want them to be proud of us. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So there were just certain things that were said that hit me tough to the point where I felt like like why was I born then? Like what mm. what's the purpose of my life? Right. Right. If if my own parent doesn't see value within me. Mm-hmm. And so there were times, man, I remember like driving back from Richardson, man, all the way back home to after work or whatever. And there were times where I was like, man, like I can't deal with this shit no more. Like mm-hmm. all of this mental stress. And I didn't have no one to talk to. The mm-hmm. person that I wanted to address this issue with didn't, didn't want to talk about it. And then anytime you talked about it. It was like, ah, get out of my face. I ain't trying to hear that shit. Like, right. you know what I'm saying? Um, and and I think that's one of the worst things we can do. Now that I'm a parent, that's one of the worst things that I feel like a parent can do is to push your child away when they are wanting to come to you for comfort. Mm-hmm. Like, I love my mom to death. She's freaking amazing. She is. She's dope. Like. Now we like could talk about some of those, a lot of those things, you know, like and laugh and like joke about it and all those things. Like it's, but I, as parents, man, I think it's very, very freaking important that we put our kids' mental peace, emotional, um, spiritual peace. Um, like we need to hold it to a high regard because it's very important because what they become is what what you teach them. Right. It's a direct reflection of what you teach them. And I think that that also speaks to, for, for like I said before, forgiveness of our parents. Because when I think about my mom and my dad and the way that they raised us, because there were some, some lessons that were invaluable that my parents taught us mm-hmm. that I'm so thankful to oh, God yeah. that they taught oh, us yeah. because it's made me, you know, such a good person, an even better mother. Right. Um, but you know, when I think about the way that they grew up, right. Cause you made a comment and you said, you know, I was, uh, I was kind of like the mediator, right. And you know, you're the oldest and that is a ridiculous position to put your I children hated in. It. Like it is an insane thought to put your children in the middle of your business. Right. And so now that you know, sometimes when you go through these things and when you're going through these things, you're like, gosh, why me? But now that I'm older, I know exactly what not to do with my child, Mm -hmm. right? Because I'm like, I would never want my son to feel like that. I would never want my son to feel like he can't come to me. I would never want him to feel like he has to carry the burden of my problems. I would never want him to feel that. So what can I do as a mother? And not just even as a mother, but what can I do as a person, as a friend, as a sister, as a cousin, as a whatever, to make sure that the people that are in my life Mm -hmm. are healthy mentally and that I'm not a burden to them and, you know, vice versa, and I can help them. And that's kind of what you, what, what, how I think about it. But I, I think another thing, and I'll be pretty honest with this, um, my dad passed away in 2019, probably the single-handedly the hardest and darkest period of my life. Um, and I remember when he died, um, you know, you go through your stages of grief with, I definitely, I definitely think is something that we should talk about later, but you go through your stages of grief. And then I remember there was a day that I was, I was literally at a point where 
um, I wanted to die. It was such a dark period because my father became um, my sense of peace before my son was born. Um, because, you know, the last few years of his life, I think that he realized how uh, detrimental and how traumatic the household was. Right. So one of the things that most African parents don't do is apologize. But my dad started to apologize mm-hmm. and he started to say that he was sorry and that, you know, they put us through a lot and there he apologizes. And um, I wanted to I literally wanted to die. I was it was a dark place for me because I, mm-hmm. I felt so alone. And um, I had to tap into what it was that my dad was telling me and some of the things that he was telling me before he passed away. So it just talked, it just speaks to what you said about a parent's words. I don't care how old you are. You cannot outgrow that. You cannot. That stuff from your, like your parents words mean a lot. And that's what kept me going was him saying he was proud of me and that he was sorry for everything that happened and that. You know, he wants me to continue to live my life this way and to continue to do those things. It's almost as if he knew mm-hmm. he was going to die because the things that he said to me, I, I very seldom do I even think about the household that we grew up in. Mm-hmm. What I hold on to are those words that he said yep. before he passed away. And, um, you know, in college, like I said, I was very angry. I fought all the time. If anybody knows me <laughs> out there, y'all know I was crazy. I fought all the time. Mm-hmm. I was like just waiting for somebody to give me a reason to like take it out on them. And I went to go see a counselor because, you know, most colleges, if you don't know um, your tuition, when you're paying tuition, you're paying for those services, those mental health services. You can literally schedule something with a counselor and it's free. You pay for it. Mm -hmm. A lot of people don't know that. Um, And I went to go see a counselor and within the first couple of sessions, he was able to identify that my home life was directly related to like my anger and my, yeah. And I didn't go back. Once he identified that after like the third session, I didn't go back because I was scared of that truth. realization. Mm. And then I was scared of having to like unpack it and deal with it because the stigma of saying, oh, you have anxiety, you're depressed. In the African community, those words are like taboo. Right. You can't tell another African that you're depressed. They're going to think that you're insane. They're going to think you're mad. Like, yeah. What is depression? You're weak. Exactly. No. Ma'am, sir, listen, the shit that you deal with at home, that's stress, that's Mm -hmm. anxiety, that's frustration, that's depression. You are human. It is okay to feel like it's okay to have feeling. It's okay, but address those things like it's 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 very, very important because. Stress can kill you. Mm -hmm. Depression can kill you. Hell, I. Thought about taking my own goddamn life several times Mm -hmm. just because I felt like my mom just didn't want me. But she she did like she loved me. Mm -hmm. But the way she went about it. What about and you, you know, you talk about your mom a lot. Right. And you're the first born and, you know, whatever. And I think a lot of African men can relate and just men in general about, you know, don't cry. Don't show emotion. Mm -hmm. Don't do that. Would you say that like maybe your dad, the reason why you probably didn't show much emotion or you weren't able to talk about things, was that something? Yeah, that I, didn't, I didn't see my dad show a lot of emotion. Um, it, it's crazy. It's kind of like, okay, so like the show Manifest, the, 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 the twins, <laughs> yeah. like the twins. Mm-hmm. So the boy, he could always feel his sister and mm-hmm. she could always feel him. 
it seemed like no matter what my dad went through, I knew exactly what he was thinking, mm. what he was feeling, what he wanted to say, what he didn't say, mm. what he was implying. I literally could hear his thoughts mm. and I could feel his emotions. And so when he didn't show them, I, I wasn't upset that he wasn't showing them. Mm -hmm. I took it as, for me, I took it as it was more of, um, I want to say self-control mm -hmm. and not allowing his emotions to get the best of him the because best of him. he saw a bigger picture. Like, I need to hold it together because I have these little ones mm -hmm. following me and I have to protect them. Um, and I think it took a toll on him. Um, I don't know how much, but it, it, it looked like a lot. Um, so for me, I took it as, okay, if, if my dad can have self-control over his emotions and not spaz out and not think or not want to take his own life or whatever, mm -hmm. like, why can't I do it? Right. So that's a heavy ass to put on a child though. It is. But he, but he didn't know. I wasn't talking to him about it. I didn't share those things with him because honestly, I didn't feel like I could share those things with him because why? Because those weren't things that Africans just generally talk about. You don't talk about how sad you are. You don't talk about how depressed you are. You don't talk about, you know, you yeah, know, having I mean, like, anxiety and all of those things. In the African household, I don't, like I said, I don't think that my dad said I love you until like I was like 18. Man, I think, my, I think it was Kevin and Princess that forced my dad to start saying I love you. And Kevin and, and Princess are your. They're my brothers. They're your my, siblings. Uh, yeah, okay. my siblings. Um, my brother, my sister. Um, so I remember having a conversation with Princess, and she was like, "Man, I'll be telling Dad it's okay to say I love it." And I think Kevin <laughs> said it too. <laughs> it's but, just, <laughs> but now every now and then, you know, they say it, and so like generally, like when my dad said I love you, he mm -hmm. never just said I love you. He says I love I love y'all. He never like excluded anyone. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? So it's too hard to be direct. Like, I mean, with yeah. my mom now, I mean, with my mom, it's different. After every conversation or whatever, I say, I love you. With my dad, I remember one time I was like, okay, I love you. He was like, okay. <laughs> Just hung up. I was like, so then I said it again. I said, I love you. He was like, oh, you do? I was yeah. like, yeah, are you going to say it back? And he said, no. <laughs> like, think about like whenever they, they miss you. Oh my How did God. they display that? Come my dad would always like come to the bottom of the staircase and be like, and he'll yell out your name, and be like, Derek, come here. <laughs> and he don't want nothing. Just to just look at you up and down and then Where you say, been? get out of my face. In my room? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and that just was say it. You miss me. Like, just say just you want to see me. <laughs> they won't do my dad used to do that all the time. He would call us all by name. He yep. would call my brother, my sister, me, and my younger brother. And he would ask us to all come to the living. We thought we were in trouble. Yeah. And we would just be standing there and he would just be looking at us up and down. And we would stand there for like five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> and then he would be like, get out of my face. Yep. I'm like, what? But now that I'm older, I'm like, he just wanted to see All us. he wanted to do was just see. But he, how, how are you going to say that? Okay. But I, I want to know. Um, so, we, we, you know, we kind of had touched on the, um, the foundations of like that anxiety and depression and stuff normally starts from the home. Um, and so obviously eventually we, we both left the home and right. most, most kids I'm hoping eventually leave the home. How would you say that mental health affected you after you left the home and after you left that environment? Were so once I left the household, I was 
fucking excited. <laughs> like, excuse my language, but I was fucking excited. And I just, I felt like I had a new beginning. Mm. I felt like I had the opportunity to get to know who Derek was. Right. I felt like I had the opportunity to like explore life, right? Without feeling like I was being attacked verbally for wanting to try X, Y, Z, for mm-hmm. wanting to um, experience this or that. And I felt like I didn't have to ask for permission, mm-hmm. right? Um, was I perfect after I left the household? Fuck no. <laughs> Listen, <laughs> I erupted. Mm. And there was a situation that I was facing while I was at PV. And despite feeling like my mom was upset with me, like didn't value me, the person that I wanted to talk to to save me from that situation was was my mom. Mm -hmm. And I I remember having a conversation. I said, God, man, listen, I know I'd have messed up. I'm sorry. I think I know what situation you're talking about. The pretty crazy one. Listen, just have my mom <laughs> come save me. <laughs> and and without a doubt, man, like she did. She was she was she was a superwoman. You know what I'm saying? She took care of the situation. And um <clears throat> till this day, that situation that happened, my dad has never addressed it with me. I mean, I wouldn't either if I was your dad. <laughs> one day you're gonna have the courage to tell the world about what you did. <laughs> listen, listen, man. <laughs> one day. But I mean, I guess, you know, when you say like you erupted, I think um, you know, I don't wanna take away from like the seriousness of what it is that we're talking about, right? But I, everybody has their own experiences. Was there has there ever been a time um, in your life now, in your adult life, where you have sought out therapy or help? So I got therapy and help through going through. Um, <clears throat> first of all, I got saved. And what caused me to want to turn to Christ and like chase after him. It, so like only for those who are believers, you'll understand what I'm talking about. Obviously. Everybody has their own things -hmm. that they believe Mm -hmm. in, right? Um, For me, I was going through a tough relationship. Um, I want to say, like, I think the end of it was, like, 2010. And that entire year, like, I felt like my soul was being pulled. It was like, come here, come here, come here. Mm -hmm. Like, at some point, you're going to have to come talk to me. Mm -hmm. We're going to have to address you. Mm -hmm. Like you. And finally, I just gave in. Mm. I remember my cousin Sam, he was like, hey, bro, you come check out this church. Like, I think you'll freaking love it. Like, when he speaks, it sounds like he's talking to you directly to you. Mm -hmm. So I go, and my first time at this church, like, dude, it felt like this man who's speaking directly to you. It was crazy. And so for me, I felt like I was at home. So mm-hmm. I got saved. And from that point on, um, it wasn't until I had decided to join the MOJ, uh, the discipleship group. Okay. Um, and so basically, 
it's him um, discipling you mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, basically to become a man of God, a, a disciple man, to be able to like disciple to other men and women. So going through that, I unpacked a lot of issues as it related to me and my mom and, you know, my dad or whatever. Um, but most of it was geared towards me and my mom. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize I was unpacking those things. It was just happening because I was constantly having conversation with uh, pastor, um, my um, prayer partners, and then mostly God. He was just like, Dude, just talk to me. Mm-hmm. Just talk. And, and I just started to unravel and just talk about all of these things. And it was just like. So that was like your therapy. That was my therapy. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that that's going to be therapy for everyone. Sure, sure. But. For those who aren't like religious, seek professional help, mm-hmm. right? And even if you are religious, seek professional help mm-hmm. because what works for me is not guaranteed to work for you, mm-hmm. right? You don't have to take your life, right? We don't. You don't have to pop those pills. Like Titi, she popped those pills just because she wanted to what? She wanted to rest, mm-hmm. but she could have hurt herself, right? She could have left her kids behind, mm-hmm. right? Just because she was tired. Self-medicating. Exactly. So. Yeah, I think that, you know, um, that's however it is that you can find an outlet um, is important. I think that, you know, so so often in the African community, we look down on not just depression, anxiety, mental health issues, but we also look down on therapy um we kind of see it as a as a bad thing and i think that it you know and i'm a not. firm believe yeah i'm a firm believer that therapy is not um <clears throat> i think it's important i think that you know when i talk to some of my friends and some of the people in my life um especially those who are married you can actually see in some of the things that they talk about <clears throat> those those tr- traumatic issues that they experienced mm-hmm in their childhood or maybe in their early early adolescence or early adulthood that they didn't deal with. You can see it kind of replaying in their marriage. So some of the things that they heavy, um, heavy, heavy, I remember having a discussion with some, with one of my friends and she was talking about something in her marriage and it sounded so trivial to me, the way that she was processing it. It sounded so trivial. I was like, what is this? This is a grown woman. And she's thinking about this like a child. And then I remembered that she went through a lot um, when she was in Nigeria. She went through a lot as a child. So she um, was living with like a, her, her dad and her mom passed away and she was living with her dad and her stepmother and mm-hmm. the stepmother um, was treating her kind of like a, a slave. Like she did. Damn. Yeah. Like she was beating her and all that. Like, she, you know, she was constantly being yelled at. She was constantly being belittled. So when her husband would tell her that he was hungry and he wanted food, she would get upset. She was like, I don't understand why he doesn't respect me. I don't understand why he can't like talk to me with respect. But when her and I started to have deeper conversations, I was like, do you think that it's because every time your stepmother would say, go get food or I'm hungry or whatever, she would beat you and you would have to. So you take that small request as like a thing of belittlement. And I encouraged her to go get therapy, to go seek therapy. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's helped her, I, I would hope. I haven't really talked to her in, in about a year, but it's helped her. It helped her at the time. And I think that, you know, when we listen to certain people 
and we're talking to our friends, whether they're African or not, um, it's important not to chastise. It's important not to say, what the hell is wrong with you? Which is what you get a lot of in the African community. Mm -hmm. And I think that we need to stop doing that because there are a lot of people who we could have saved Right from taking their own life, had it been that we just listened, just to by them, listening and having supporting a supporting them exactly. And I think you mentioned it on the on the episode with TT, where there was a family friend that yeah. took his own life, yeah. and before he did that, he called mm-hmm. someone, and they didn't answer the phone, right? So it's not their fault, but they didn't answer the phone. But that was an indication, like you said to him, that well, nobody's here for me. Right. So imagine being on that level. Imagine being ready to take your own life mm-hmm. and you go to someone that you consider a friend mm-hmm. or your, your sibling or cousin and you tell them, I'm feeling this way and they push it off and they push you away. What are you going to do? So, let me ask you this. <clears throat> so I want you to speak towards your experience, right? Mm-hmm. And you said that your coping mechanism, um, once you left your parents' household, you were fighting a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, is it because you saw your parents fighting? So you felt like that was the best way to like express your feelings and your emotions because your, your parents, they express, they express their emotions and feelings via fighting. Yeah, I think that that was part of it. But I also think that it was because I didn't know how to express myself. Like I didn't, it was, um, imagine like, um, being so being because i'm a very emotional person yeah right so imagine okay (laughs) i'm very emotional look natalie cries about everything man (laughs) and most people who see me who don't really know me they don't think that i i shed a tear but i i'm i'm very emotional so imagine having that high level of emotion inside Mm -hmm. of you and you don't know what to do with it it irritates you right so i was irritated by every little thing and so i would just have those outbursts And that's just kind of what I would do. And so I think that um, it wasn't necessarily to resolve my problems, but it was more of just kind of like to have like a temporary release, right? Because it's just like people who use drugs or people who drink. They have, it's a temporary numbing thing that they're doing, right? To deal with whatever it is that they're dealing with. And my, my drug of choice was violence at the time. That was just kind of what it was. So I feel bad for anyone that I was in my way. No, you don't. <laughs> that was because you felt like they deserved it. Then. That was my drug of choice. Yeah, was that? And then it, in a weird way, right? You because you're so you're in your head. Um, you don't want anybody to see you struggling. You don't want anybody to see that you're not okay, right? So. You know, when you're going through what it is that you're going through in a weird way, you try to shield it. But it also you hope that somebody can see you. You hope that someone asks you, like, how are you doing? You hope that somebody cares enough um, to, to see that you're struggling. But it got to a point where I had to get the help for myself um, in order to be a better person, because those choices that I was making at that time, like being in school, I don't I don't mind saying it. I almost failed out of school multiple times like there was a yeah there was a period of time where i was like you know what f all this i don't care Mm -hmm. i almost failed out of school i started running with the bat with the wrong people Mm -hmm. there were multiple instances where i was very close to being like having run-ins with the law like with the police 
And it, there was one incident um, that happened where I was actually almost physically harmed. And then I was like, Natalie, you got to mm-hmm. like this is you're, you're going down the wrong path. And this is not you. Right. Like, you got to figure this out because these people that you're hanging with, these things that you're doing and, you know, at the core of you, this is not what I need to be doing. What knowing what you know now, what would you say to your sister now if she were to pick up the phone and call you? Mm -hmm. Right. um, What would you say to her? Um. And, I, and for those of you that don't know, I talked about my sister in the last episode, but my sister didn't necessarily take the breakdown of our family too well. So she kind of went really left. Um, and our relationship um, was heavily affected by that. Her and I don't speak. But what I would say to her, what I would probably say to her is I'm sorry. I would say I'm sorry because she was hurting and she was acting out. And instead of trying to help her as my sister, I was accusing her of being a rotten child. I was accusing her of um, being spoiled. You know, just, you know, snap out of it. What's wrong with you? Are you crazy? What's your problem? Mm-hmm. Like, I wasn't, I wasn't there for her. I, I would apologize. That would probably be the first thing that I would say to her. So that was her coping mechanism. What was yours during that time? Um, when I was growing up in the home? Yeah. So, my, oh, my, co- my, what I did, contrary to popular belief, I didn't talk much. It's very quiet, and all I did was read and stay in my room. Mm-hmm. So, and that's kind of some of the things that I realized in my relationships too that I that I was doing. As soon as I was faced with an issue that was unpleasant, I left. I didn't even. I don't need. Didn't talk. Didn't anything. I left. And then when cell phone companies started the blocking feature. <laughs> I would block you. I wouldn't tell you why. I would block you and I would just go completely silent. Because in my household growing up, that's what I would do. I would just get quiet and read a book and leave. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself doing some of those things still to this day? When dealing with um, tense situations, situations that just aren't favoring? Um, Yeah, I find myself wanting to retreat. I do find myself wanting to retreat, but I don't. I might retreat like for a moment and then Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, snap out of it. Because when my son comes home, I want him to tell me what's wrong, what's wrong. You know, and he's, my my child is very emotional. So he will like, he'll, he kind of does the same thing. And so I try to pull it out of him. I can't expect that of Mm -hmm. him and not do it for myself. So yeah, I, I find myself wanting to retreat, but I snap out of it. But that's a thing. So if I've ever blocked you, Sorry. <laughs> I mean, unless it was like warranted, then you know. Uh, back then. Back then, it probably wasn't. no. <laughs> <laughs> it was just all me. But what? What is it? Let me ask you. What is it that? What were your coping mechanisms? Because everybody has them. So what were yours? Um, back then, I I would stay in my room, lock the door, because I felt like if I stayed in my room and I locked the door. Like I was shielding myself from all of the outside noise, all mm-hmm. of the stress, all of the confusion, um, all of the things I didn't want to be associated with. I felt like once I went behind closed doors, like I was protected. Like you could be banging on my door. Like, I mean, it'd be times where like they would call my name and I wouldn't respond because like 
based on the tone of their voice, I already knew what the conversation was going to be about. Like back then, like I knew what was going to happen before it happened. Mm. You can anticipate. I could anticipate it like crazy and I couldn't stand it. Mm. And it scared me a lot. Mm. So, um, yeah. So you so just would kind of just like be reclusive. I'd and get be quiet. Seclude. And, and I'd, sit in my, I'd sit in my room and wouldn't say nothing. So for those of you that know Derek, you know that he does that now. So <laughs> you could go to his front door and be like, hey, hey, and he's going to be like, he'll text you and be like, I'm not here. <laughs> I'm not at home. How do you know I'm at your door? If you see? <laughs> so, yeah, that was that was that was my um, that was my coping mechanism. man. that was my way of just like dealing with um, stress, man. Do and you do that now? Yeah, mm. I do that now sometimes. Um, but even when I'm doing it. Like I'm having conversation with myself, like, okay, you can only do this for a, a short period of time. Right. At some point, you need to address this issue right. head on. And um, one of the things that stuck out to me while I was going through discipleship, my pastor told me, he said, once you identify a problem or you acknowledge it, at that point, it's no longer an excuse. It's your responsibility mm -hmm. to resolve that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's no longer an excuse. Right. Once you've come to the realization, like, look, this is what it is and this is what's happening, address it. Right. It's not an excuse anymore. You can, ah, well, my mom did this and I, okay, all right. But what are you going to do? But what are we going you? to do mm -hmm. for you mm -hmm. to be better? And I think that so, so often, and I think that this is something, I'm speaking directly to Africans when I say this, you have to get to a point where you accept that my parents will probably never acknowledge or yep. people in my life may never acknowledge yep. because- with African parents, ah, they're probably never going to be like. <laughs> they're not. Look, and, and so, I think it's very important for our community to understand that. Like, yeah. Our parents are, are a different breed. Like they come from a different, you know, they come from a different lifestyle. They come from a different an era. And I think that once you get to that point of understanding, okay, I might never get this from them, but I have mm -hmm. to love myself enough to resolve those issues for myself. Right. Then I think that you kind of, you can start that. And I think that this conversation about mental health and about mental peace needs to be something that is more widely discussed in the yep. African community. I can appreciate Africans discussing, you know, conventions and, you know, popping bottles and this person bought a house and this person did that. But I think that we need to shed more light on um, mental health in the African community, because while there are a lot of Africans right around us, our communities are still very small. Mm -hmm. And more and more, I'm hearing about people that are having like um, mental breaks yep. and they're killing and they're becoming violent. And these are Africans, people that I grew up with that I'm like, what the hell? Like, you know, people that are just I'm like, I never knew that. I never knew they were struggling with this. I never knew that this person was having this issue. And I'm hearing it more and more and more and more. So and think the people about are it. getting younger. Think about those Africans mm -hmm. who grew up in Africa. Right. And who are bred it in Africa and they have the mindset of you can't talk about these things. Mm -hmm. Typically you don't hear about them taking their lives or anything like that. You mm -mm. don't, you don't typically hear about that. Mm -hmm. You hear about that state side. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of that um, has to do with dealing with the African side mm -hmm. and then the American side. It's a tug of war. And so like you're, you're, you're dealing with this back and forth and mm -hmm. you're like, what the fuck do I do? Mm -hmm. 
and um and I think image is one of the things that plays Huge a major thing. role in it. That's what Africans for care Africans about. seriously. That's what is Africans your image. care about. So I because you know like you see these people and I and I'm not gonna say that it's all fake, but you know they they sew their clothes like okay, ah, they it's wear fake. the same they wear the same clothes. No, Look, not it's always. Fake. Sometimes it's, it's not. Okay, I'm not gonna say it's all fake, yeah. but I'm saying the. <laughs> Look, you can tell, man. Sometimes you can really tell, like, mm-hmm. who's putting on the front. Like, mm-hmm. these pictures that you're posting online, ma'am, sir, you're not happy. Yeah. You're but not it, being but on- you get, it's, it's, it's at their time to speak their truth. But exactly. I think that I plead with people who are dealing with mental issues that they, that they can't identify, they can't explain, but they know that there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. Go and get help. Please, Go and talk please, to somebody please, because please. you're doing yourself and the people around you a disservice. Like, mm-hmm. love yourself enough. Say, F the African image, F this, F that. Because my dad's death taught me a lot. There were a lot of people that, um, and a lot of things that maybe one would do, right, to sustain their image. Um, and I remember after he died, and I was like, dang, he really didn't take anything with him. Like, dang, these people really were calling for like a few months and then they just went on about their lives. Nobody cares once you're gone. Once you're gone, they may call you. They may come and be around you for a little or your family for a little bit. They may call your family or whatever. But after a while, it's back to the basics. Mm -hmm. Like they don't care about that. So you're you're literally killing yourself to maintain an image for people who don't give a damn. Yeah. So it's it's worthless. Just go get help. And you don't have to tell the world that you're getting it. That's your private thing. But go get help. And encourage other people to get help. Man, that's it's it's sad, man, like to to hear the things some some people are going through, man. And I'm not gonna lie, man. I was I was hearing TT's story kind of just like it was like a slap in the face, like, yo, like because she's your friend, and there were some God. things that you didn't even know. I didn't freaking know. See? See? Best friends, and it's like there's still some things that you don't know people, and and that's how it is. And so I, you know, I give a lot of credit, too, to our parents and older people because they were probably dealing with some heavy emotional stuff, and they weren't able to tap into it. Yeah. But um, if you haven't listened to the previous episode again, please go and listen. It's called My Mental Peace. But uh, we really we really hope that, you know, someone or some people found this conversation to um, to be of help and to be enlightening. And both of us kind of speaking our truth. We hope that it encourages you to also speak your truth. Yeah, man. And, and if no one has told you they love you, man, I love you. We love you. We appreciate you. You are valued. And um, keep pushing, man. And uh, until next time, bye guys. Peace.